introduce uh, Pastor Kyle Hunter from Edmonton. As some of you recognize our pastor, John Anderson, isn't here today. He's up in Edmonton uh, being refreshed with his family and also taking uh, God's word up to our brothers and sisters up at Redemption Church in Edmonton. Um, so yeah, if you want to join me up here, Kyle, I'll just quickly introduce you. Welcome. Thank so again, this is, this is Pastor Kyle, Kyle Hunter. He, uh, his history a little bit is that he was trained in Ontario back when uh, Redemption Churches were kind of known as Harvest Bible Fellowship. He spent about seven years training in Ontario. And during that time, I looked up his biography, sorry, I looked up his biography to get some of this info. Uh, there's passion on there that he was fervently seeking to plant a church and felt very called by God. So it uh, seems as though on September 1st of mm -hmm. 2021, that calling hit home and he was uh, given the opportunity to plant in Edmonton. So Kyle and his, his wife Julia are here with us today and they have continued to faithfully pastor Edmonton, which I'm sure is going very well. And we will continue to pray for that body there. Uh, he's a father, faithful father, faithful husband, three kids. And as yep. you can tell, handsome and striking <laughs> and humble, I was supposed go. to say, all of those <laughs> above. Uh, if you've been here long enough, Liz, Kyle has faithfully preached here once before, and we gladly welcome here at John's pulpit again. Uh, let me just pray for him as we begin the service. Gracious Father, it is so good that you have built such a network of uh, believing churches, faithful churches stretching from southern Alberta, central Alberta, and we know your limits are boundless, Father, as you continue to plant churches around the world in North America um, and strengthening the saints. We thank you for Pastor Kyle and his opportunity to join you here, and we also pray for John that he would preach the word faithfully, Father, and that the Holy Spirit would illuminate the scriptures to us today as these faithful men uh, bring us your word. We pray this in the name of your Son, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, brother. Thanks, Kyle. Yeah, you can have a seat. Kids with a speaking role can go to the fellowship hall. All the other kids can go down to their classes. Thank you. <laughs> It's like a stampede. It's great. Okay, well, while the kids are going downstairs, or no, they're not going downstairs. Are some of them going down? The kids are, okay. The kids are leaving anyhow. So those who are staying, if you turn in your Bibles to the book of Colossians, find your way in the book of Colossians. Yes, and anyone need a Bible? Did you forget your Bible, left it on the, on the hood or the... Top your car, need one, we've got them in the back. Anyone need a Bible? You're going to want that now. Okay, just leave your hand up and we'll get you a Bible. And then, yeah, turn in, in your Bibles to the book of Colossians. You're looking at four verses this morning, uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. And uh, as you're turning there, I just want to say, like, thank you. It's weird to say Kyle. There's not many Kyles around, so thank you, Kyle, and I'm not talking third person right now, so... Um, but yeah, thank you for introducing me, and uh, very thankful to be here. Uh, John is, uh, Pastor John is preaching for me and uh, sharing my pulpit. It's funny, we have a music stand as well, so he's sharing my music stand. And uh, very, very thankful for your pastor as a friend of mine. Very, very thankful, and I've said it before, uh, for Olds and what the Lord is doing here. Uh, it's hard to believe. Now, uh, I don't know how old, again, I think I asked this last time, we have five, six... 
eight years now. <clears throat> so you did mention I was out east. Um, and so we did a little bit of training there. That was uh, a lot of uh, eight years of just, Lord, what are you doing? Um, are we going to plant a church? Are we going to lead a church? Am I going to lead a church? And uh, Olds uh, came up, and I'll say it again. I said this last time I was here. I won't say it again if I preach a third time. But I remember the announcement came that a, plant, a church was going to be planted in Olds, Alberta, and my heart just leapt. I knew Olds. I knew Alberta. We left Alberta. And uh, to, to know now and to be here and to see you and to know your pastor, John, is just a, a joy and is a miracle. Anytime a, plant, a church is planted, it's a miracle. We praise the Lord for it and a faithful church that just believes in God's word. Uh, just will attempt to open up God's word and show Christ through the scriptures. And so you have a very special thing here. And I'm very thankful to be able to do that this morning for you. So such a joy. Uh, I want to read the passage. So it's Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Let me read it aloud and you follow along in your copy of God's word. And then I'm going to pray and then we'll dive into it together. So again, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4, uh, the word of the Lord. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Pray with me, let's pray. Father, we um, just bow before you now humbly to acknowledge even what we just read and looked at as it was being read is your word. And so, Father, we thank you that you've given us your word. Lord, we praise you right now that we can hear from Almighty God, that we can see Christ through it. We pray, Father, that that would happen. I pray that each one of us right now be praying, thinking um, right now of ourselves, Lord, that we would... Um, be humble before you and eager and expectant that you are going to open up your word to each one. Lord, even as I'm a guest preacher, I, I know a couple people now and I'm very thankful for that, but I don't, I don't know many of these souls here today, Lord, but you do. And you, you are the head of this church. Christ is the head. And so would you shepherd your people? You know what they need better than I ever could. And Father, even the illustrations I use or application, Father, it's really endless and I pray that you would apply it to hearts. And so, Lord, yes, we pray for the people beside us. Would you help each one of us as well? But we pray also, Lord, would you do that for us and for each one personally? Would you even, Lord, would you preach to me as I'm preaching? And so, Father, uh, please, would we see Christ through your word? Thank you for it. Change us, we pray, and would you be uh, glorified? You are worthy of it. We've, we sang that, Lord. And so now as we open up your word, we just acknowledge it in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, a question for you to start. I want to ask the question of, uh, have you ever been certain of something? Certain that you were right and then found out that you were wrong? <laughs> no one's gonna, none of the guys are going to raise their hands right now. Hey? They're like, it's never happened. <laughs> Kyle's wife just punched him, so he raised his hand. So have you ever thought a certain way, or maybe like on a, on a fact or a topic, but have you ever thought even a certain type of thinking and then found out, man, I was, just, I was wrong. Like I was so certain that I had that right and I was wrong. Kind of a, a funny example of that is I was in college and it was, I think it was my fourth year of college and 
A buddy of mine, we had rented a trailer, as we call them, like a trailer at a trailer park, a trailer, and we rented uh, one of those, and, and so that's what we were staying in at the time, and so, I don't know, it was, a, it was an afternoon sometime, and I got talking with Andy, we were actually sitting on the couch watching sports highlights, and he, and he just started kind of pouring out his heart to me. And so I, you know, as a, as a good man, I turned towards my friend, and I listened to my friend, and I, I actually... And I learned this in school, you should turn and you should look at the person who's in need. And so I did that. And I turned and I looked at him and he's pouring out his heart and I'm listening and okay, yeah, yeah. And then I'd look to the screen and I'd look to the screen and then um, I'd be like, wow, that's actually pretty amazing. That guy just threw that football that far. That's wow. And then I'd listen to him and then, well, oh, and they're doing it again. And, and then eventually over time, and it probably only took about five minutes, <laughs> I was only facing the TV. My friend was still talking to me, pouring out his heart. And it was this, and eventually I heard nothing. And I'm just watching sports highlights, and Andy could have left the room I wouldn't have known, and he says to me, Kyle, oh, what? He said, are you even listening to me? And I'm like, well, <clears throat> no, I'm not, actually. And in my mind, I actually thought, it's funny, I thought, here I'm counseling my friend, I'm being a great friend, I turned to him. In my mind, I thought something was happening that actually wasn't. Couldn't believe it, I shut the TV off and then attempted to listen to my friend. Have you ever been so convinced of something that you're like, no, for sure this is what's happening, and I'm so convinced, but you're just blind to it? And, and maybe over time, maybe over a long period of time or not, I don't know, maybe, and right now you'd be like, well, I don't know because I think I'm right. <laughs> but I want you to consider just that thought as we look at Colossians in this Colossian church. The Colossian church thought they were under Christ. You look at the whole book of Colossians. We're kind of jumping in here, but four chapters. Paul wrote this book because the Colossian church was in danger of not... <laughs> okay, I need to tape this thing to my head. It's interesting because I, I have big ears, but they're the wrong size. They're the wrong shape. Okay, hopefully that stays on and I'm not a distraction. Paul wrote this book to the Colossian church, and the reason he wrote it is because there was things going on with that church that were causing them to pull away from really the authority of Christ in their life. And so he writes this book, and they had different things, different traditions. They're going after different supernatural experiences. Maybe we can uh, relate to that. They're going after all these different ideas that really were pulling them away from Christ. There's, uh, you can see in the book, they talk about empty philosophy. And so they thought... That Christ was over them. I think if, if we, if we um, were to give a poll here today, and I don't know you, and I don't know if this is the first time you came to church, but I'm assuming you're here today because you do believe we can just do open ear pre or open mic preaching maybe. This actually, if it falls in front of me, it might be okay. Well, okay, let me do this. And then we'll use the wire if we have to. We'll do surgery if we have to. Okay, I'll say it, I'll say it again. You're here today, and if I pulled you and asked you, is Christ over you? Does he rule your life? Or ought he to rule? Are you wanting that? I'm going to guess you're here today because the answer is yes. That's what you want. That was the Colossian church. They were unaware, though, that that had 
no longer for many of them been, been the case, so much so that Paul decides that he's going to write a book to them, a letter to them while in prison, unable to come visit them under house arrest, and he writes the book of Colossians because they thought something, but for many of them it was no longer true. So that's, that's the case today. For sure, this is, I often say to our church, we've been going through the book of Colossians, I say, uh, redemption Colossae, just to give us the idea that this is, this is us. And so I don't doubt and I hope that all of us would say, Christ is over me. But that wasn't the case. And this is why you look at the verse before chapter 3, look in your Bibles, verse 23 Paul knows that this will do nothing. These, these ideas they're going after will actually not change their lives. He says it does nothing to stop the indulgence of the flesh. It has zero value to bring any type of change to their fear, anxieties, desires, direction, meaning, nothing. So what does Paul write next knowing this? Knowing many of them are unaware of what's going on, really, knowing that what they're going after when, when Christ is no longer over them, Something else is it has zero value to give, give change to their life. What does Paul write? Well, he gets them to think differently. And that's what I've entitled the sermon today is thinking differently. Thinking differently. He gets them to think of things above. Thinking of things above. Now, we're going to see it in the text, what that means, but thinking above is not this. It's not, okay, you're going to have to tie it down. <laughs> that actually hurt. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> my, my shirt's tucked in. The interesting thing is my wife helped me today. <laughs> okay. That's called a sermon commercial break. Okay. Right. Man, I hope you know where we're going right now. I've lost my train of thought. Sometimes we think we're thinking a certain way we're not. Um, we think Christ is over us, and the truth is right now, I'll say for some of you, that's not the case. For me, oftentimes, right now, there'll be things in my life I don't know where Christ is not over it, and I don't see it yet. There's been things I've thought Christ was over it. Um, and I'm not just talking like specific sins, even just ways of thinking. I was like, that is not ruling actually. Decades. And then it's like the light bulb came on. And again, Paul knows this now in the church. There was a lot of talk, a lot of coffee talk, a lot of, a lot of murmurs and rumbling and, and just flat out teaching directly. And there was beginning to be a belief that no, we need to go after actually, and Paul talks about these shadows, things that no, it has the name of Christ. No one's saying, like, hey, don't go after Christ. But traditions and, and shadows and ideas and, and uh, I would say this, Christian counseling. Man, be very careful how to define that. Things would be in the name of Christ, but actually Christ isn't ruling over that counsel that's given. So Paul knows this. He writes, and what does he write? And it's very, very interesting. 
hey, you want real change in your life? He says, verse 23, it's not bringing any real change. And so what does he know they need to know? He, he knows they need to think differently. They need to think of Christ and have him over them. And so he says, think of the things above. Church, think of the things above. And so what does that mean? Well, here's what it doesn't mean. We think, I'll think above. So it doesn't mean um, you're going to wait for an experience or maybe see something in the clouds today. I'm thinking above. I'm looking at literally my eyes up, up in the skies. It's not man's ideas. It's not, again, uh, secular thinking. Uh, thinking above is not you know, something just kind of beyond uh, clearing your mind, uh, positioning your body, listening to whale sounds, getting your mind off of things or distracted or, or, or kind of these like weird ideas of thinking above is just, okay, it's not earthly, I guess it's spiritual. Well, there's some truth to the spiritual end of it, but no truth to the other spiritual side of it of the list that I gave you. Thinking of things above means this. It means to think of Christ. Now, if you're in Christ today, that was true for your salvation. You thought above. You thought of Christ. For the first time, your eyes were open. Your, your scripture says like your ears were open, your heart was open, and you understood you were able to think beyond yourself, be, beyond this life, uh, temporal, and to be able to think not just eternal, but think true eternity, Jesus Christ, and you thought above for the salvation of your soul, the awareness of your sin, Asking God alone to forgive you by grace for your sins. And by faith that you be called righteous. You believe that you, you saw that in the scriptures. Someone preached to you the word of God. And so you thought above. But this doesn't change for us. And there's a thinking that, that I thought of for most of my days. I see some younger kids here for most of my days. I would say into Bible school and maybe even beyond that there was almost this like, yes, thinking above for salvation and then part two, think above for the rest of your life. I mean, the hardcore Christians really think above. No, this is all of life. We're not to stop thinking above ever. When you came to Christ, that's the beginning of it and we continue on. And eyes where? Above where? On Christ. For salvation, but for all of life. We need that for real change. We need that to stop the indulgence of the flesh. And they had all these opinions. They had people going on and on and very convincing, very confident, different ideas and experiences. And man, you get someone talking to you again and again and again, and they're confident, and they've got some things that seems to back it up. If you are not confident in the scriptures and where to turn to look to Christ, it will draw you away especially if it's in the name of Christ. And so Paul knows this, and he says, no, no, think above. No, truly think on Christ. So if we're thinking above, we're thinking differently, and that's the big idea again. Thinking above means thinking differently. So first point of three is this, thinking differently. You have been raised. If you're in Christ today, then you have been raised. So think differently. You have been raised, so think differently. Look at verses 1 to 2, and I'm going to read them again. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated, at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
And so you can see there, maybe you saw it, there's two commands he gives. He commands them to think differently with two commands, not suggestions. He says, seek the things that are above in the second command. You can see it there. Set your minds on things that are above. So why has he commanded them these two commands? Is it that one day we'll be in the heavenlies, so you should think of heaven? Christians are to think spiritually, so, so this is why you should probably think above. If you're Christian, you know, you're heavenly-minded. Well, yes, but that's not why. He tells us actually why he gives these two commands. He says right off the hop, that beginning of verse 1, if then, that's why. Here, if this is the case, if or since then, therefore, because, what? If you've been raised with Christ, then think above. That's our reason why. That's, that's the command to seek and to set our minds, because you've been raised with Christ. So he's speaking spiritually here. He's not speaking of physical raising. There weren't those physically that had been raised in the Colossae church. He's speaking spiritually to the entire church. Christ died for sinners in their place. We're told in the Word of God that He became sin for them. You need to hear that. Bearing the wrath. We need to hear this every Sunday. Such amazing news that God who became man, Jesus Christ, bore the wrath of God to save us from God. Bore the sin. And then Christ rose victorious. So Christ died. Christ rose victorious with a new resurrected body, the firstborn among the dead. Paul tells us that. Those who trust in Christ then trust in His death in a way that they have died with Him because He's a substitute. He did that for those who would trust in Him. And this is sins past, sins present today, sins you don't know are going on right now, in your heart. And then since this afternoon and tomorrow, all sin, dead, gone. It is finished. We died with Christ. It's a complete death. And so simple, but so good to hear that again, a complete death. And they rise. Those who die with Christ completely will rise completely, not partly with a limp. I got a bad knee right now. Don't even know why. Limping and swollen right now. Not kind of like, oh, you're alive though. Not raised with Christ and like, yeah, but... Totally raised, totally alive, totally made new, totally right before God, righteous before God. They rise and, and one day, completely seen fully and finally in the resurrection. So when we hear raised with Christ, that's what we're thinking. Yeah, because it died. And yes, I will raise with Him. New thinking, new understanding. He gives us uh, new abilities to have new actions, new joys, new hopes, raised with Him. Why? Because we died with Him. And so Paul reminds the church of this, and so that's why I remind you of that. And this reality needs to be thought of all the time. He's not just like, oh, I know there's some unbelievers there. They need to hear the gospel right now. He's like, church, you were raised with Christ. This is what everyone in the church who was in Christ needed to hear. So, this reality needs to be thought of. And I'll say this, whether you think of it today or whether you don't will determine whether you experience real change in your life. 
whether Christ will truly rule over your life or continue to rule and gain territory in your life is whether or not you will think of this, whether or not you will think above. It is the difference between real change, or I'll tell you, as Paul does, verse 23, zero value in any type of stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Zero. Zero change. So this is our hope for that. And so he says, seek. Seek the things that are above. Seek it, that word meaning to find it. Seek it to find it. You lost something? Anyone lost anything lately? I lose things continually. I lost something in the truck on the way here. I'm like, where's my water bottle? And then I'm like, where's my keys? And where's my wallet? There's three things. How long is it? For? Is it an hour and a half drive? I found them. I sought them. This is the idea is to seek. And the idea as well is seek continually. It's not just, hey, for some of you, you need to seek. This one time because you're not saying, church, this is what we do all the time. We're seeking as if we need to find it. So what are those things? Well, it's interesting what he, how he answers it. Seek it, and he doesn't give us a list. He actually says, no, here's the place to look. You ever play that game and you play with your kids? I love torturing my kids. I love 20 questions, one of my favorite games ever. And the warmer, colder game, also good, because it tortures them. It, just, it forces them to, to work. And they're like, I can't find, and you know where it is. You're like, all right, uh, warmer. Dad, just tell me. Warmer, warmer, colder, colder, warmer. And this is kind of, in a sense, it almost feels like what he's saying is like, look, I'm not going to give you the list or here it is, but he says, here's where you need to look. Here's where you need to look. And look, he says it, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. It's an interesting picture. He says, seek the things above. Where is it? Like, what is it? Well, where is it? Where Christ is. And, and look at the picture of Christ, seated Seated is a picture that they have here, not, not pacing, not like, where is he? He's gone off to work or something. No, he's sitting down. Why? Because the work is complete. Because he's finished. At, at, the, at the end of the day, in, in, any time that I preach, my, my wife knows, my kids know, I get, it doesn't say he has cozy pants on here, but I get my cozy pants on, get a cup of coffee, and sit down. Now this is the picture that we have of Christ that, Sitting is what I'm saying. He's sitting. Why? Because he's done. He's done. It's complete for me. It's like I, I, I preached. It's done. And now I sit down. He's died. He's risen. He's sitting. It is finished. The work is complete. Yes, he is coming back. And that's the day when it's all going to be realized. But the work is done. And so he's sitting. He's also at the right hand. This is a picture of power. If you're left-handed today, don't be offended by that. Like, actually, my left hand's stronger. and get all distracted. I have two kids that are left-handed. So they both are wrong, and it's okay. We're lots of grace for them, right? When you hear right hand, just think power. And that's what's being said here. Sitting down, work is done, and power. At the right hand of God. And not second place. The power of God. He's not weak. He's not sitting down. He's like, I don't know how it went. Not anxious. Wishful kind of thinking, hoping that what he did is going to last. You ever build something like that? I hope. I hope that it was like a, a good enough, a strong enough work. He's not hoping and wishing and wondering. We need to hear this again. Our, our Savior is done and he's sitting at the right hand of God. And what he has done and what he has accomplished is a good work and it is a complete work. And it is sure. This is our God. And so Paul reminds them of this, victorious and powerful. He says, think on that. Ephesians 2 verse 6 says this, 
Uh, Jesus, like he, Jesus, raised us up with him. Or sorry, he, God, raised us up with him, Christ, and seated us with him, that is with Christ, in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. So we're there. So you think about that, and there is, there is a truth. It's not like as, you're, as if you're there. There's a sense and a truth that, spiritually speaking, you are sitting actually with him. In the sense you died, you raised, you're sitting also with Christ. The work is complete. It is a sure work of God. And so, again, what are those things now exactly? We know kind of where to look, and what are they exactly? Well, there's a, kind of a quote from a commentator, Kent Hughes, and he says this. Is it on there? Do I have it? Yeah, okay. Um, they include his character, his presence, his heavenly joys. We are not to be seeking heavenly geography, but the one who dwells there. So he's saying, not just seeking heaven this place. What, heaven is only heaven because God is there. Really what you're doing is, and if I can summarize even for Ken Hughes, you're seeking God. So his character, his promises, his commands, that's what you're seeking. And so how do you seek the character of God? Well, have you ever said before, like, have you ever gone through things and said, but I know God is good? You're thinking above. Now, especially if you take not just God is good, because I'm sure the Mormons would say God is good, but you say God is good, and now you look to Christ, a true picture of who Christ is, and say, let me tell you why he's good. You even look to the cross, you look to the resurrection. That's what you're doing. You're beginning to look at the character of God as one example. And, and many, you, you maybe don't know this. That's what you're doing. And that is what brings not just encouragement but, but strength. And it's going to keep you from, man, I don't know for sure and I don't know how to act or respond in this situation. And someone said this about Jesus and actually maybe this is what I should do. No, no, no. No, you know because you look to the character of God in Jesus Christ. His presence. So we go with Ken Hughes and he mentions his presence. Well, we go with that. Have you ever said before, like, um, I know God is sovereign. You go through something, you know, I, I just know he's in control. And you think about the comfort that that brings. Again, you look at his sovereignty, his plan, even the picture again on the cross and Christ. And we look through these things of who God is, and this is, just so you know, when we're looking above. And this is what we do. Like, church, this is what we do. And then the joy and in seeing him faithful to fulfill those promises. And I'll say this, when we seek those things, we're seeking treasure, just so you know. It may not feel like it in the time. There are a lot of things going on, you're not sure, and a lot of unanswers, and we go through suffering in this life. Every, I'll tell you this, every single time you seek the things above, meaning Jesus Christ Seated at the right hand, meaning the gospel truths, his character, his promises, right, his track record, it's treasure. Every time. It is always treasure. Every time. Not maybe the way that you think it should be, but it is always good because you're seeking God. Now some of us, I will say this, have things in your life right now that you are actually making a choice not to seek. I'm talking some weird experience. So there's things about the character of God, some things you've experienced, and you're like, I don't, I've just, God and I just know we agree to disagree. 
Or I just can't go there because it's too, too difficult. Or I just don't really know and it kind of bothers me, but whatever. And I'll say this. The enemy will love that because then you're not seeking above in that area right now. And you have a part in your life then where Christ is not supreme and not over. And you need to seek to find it. And not, you don't have to go seek and seek weird. You, you go to your pastor, you go to your elders, you go to God-fearing people, and they're going to do the same thing. You say, you show me from the Word of God. I need to see my God and I need to know. And you cannot just reconcile to be fine with some things. We need to seek God. Colossians 2, verses uh, 2 to 3. Uh, take you there. You can turn back in, in your Bibles, maybe flip a page. I don't know. Uh, verse 2, he says that, and this is why Paul wrote this earlier. He says that their hearts, this is his, his desire for them, his prayer for them, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together. He wants this for the church. In love, to reach all the riches of full assurance, of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So his, his desire is that they would do this. I want you to grow in this. I want, I want you, even to come here visit you as I get to know you, I tell my church this, I want you to point me to Christ. We need to grow in this together. And I ought to be doing the same for you. So Paul writes this to the church. He says, seek. And then the second command, he says, verse 2, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Some of you, I think it's the King James has uh, kind of the, I was going to say definition, but the translation, uh, your affections. I think that's helpful too. That's the idea. Set your mind, set your affections, set your heart. What you set your heart on, what you set your mind on, is what you'll seek. And what you seek is what you'll set your heart on. Paul's really saying the same thing in kind of a different way, but you can't really separate them. Your heart's on something, you're going after it. You're going after something, your heart's coming. And so Paul's saying this. And maybe you think, like, well, I, 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 should, I should probably right now, I, it seems pretty clear, I should seek the things that are above. But if your mind is on this temporal life, not even deeply in sin, though that's the same, same problem, but if you're on this, the temporal and you're consumed with ultimately temporal things, earthly things that don't last, then that's just going to sound really annoying to you. Set your things above. Set your, sorry, set, seek the things that are above is going to sound a lot like work. And not a work of something like, yes, because seeking is hard, I want to do that, but like, ah, I guess I should. Because your heart's already captured by the, the world, the temporal. And if you're seeking the temporal, and the same thing, and someone says, hey, you should love and, and go after and set your affections on, on the Lord, that's going to sound a lot like work and really annoying. And for some of you, you need to repent of seeking temporal things. That's what you're going after to find it. What's dad going after? What's mom going after? Your sister, your brother, what are you going after? And for many, and this is like a daily thing, I would say with me too. For some of you, you've been in a long time, but for some of you, you need to repent like today. You're seeking after that, and you, you hear, seek above, and Jesus, yeah, I know the answer is Jesus, but it sounds a lot like, yeah, I know. Repent. 
You're seeking and you're setting your affections on things that are temporary. God, forgive me. Christ is awesome. We must choose this daily. So, some questions for you before moving to point two. What are you set on? What are you truly set on? Maybe ask a question. It might seem um, that it doesn't relate to the first, but what, what makes you most upset with God? Sometimes that's telling to see, uh, are there some things unresolved? And if there are, then you have not sought the Lord truly on it. What are you seeking for answers and hope? Is your mind and heart set on leisure, money, rest, health, safety, pleasure? I will say this, that list I just gave you is actually not a bad list. It's actually a pretty good list. But when it's sought temporally in this earth, it's an awful list. Really from hell. But when it's sought Heavenly, eternally, man, that list is beautiful. You want to talk about uh, rest? You want to talk about joy in the Lord? You want to talk about uh, riches? We think about what we already have in Christ. So the, the, the question is, am I thinking temporally or eternally? And there's a choice. There's a choice here. When we think above, we're not just thinking of being swept away by emotions. Just know that. You're not waiting for some emotional experience. Some of the hardest work that I do (laughs) is in the morning getting my butt out of bed and spending time with the Lord in focused prayer and in the Word. That's some of the hardest work that I do. But there's a difference between like, no, 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 but I need to and I want to. It's okay if it's hard. But there is a choice, and that's different than like, I'm just waiting for God. If God just shows up, then I'll read my Bible. As soon as God changed my heart, then I'm in it. Like, God, why don't we make this easy? It's like, seek Him. Sometimes, yeah, it's maybe easier. Sometimes there is those feelings. That's, that's great, and praise the Lord. But it's a choice. He says, set your mind. He doesn't say, wait for your mind. <laughs> wait for your heart. He says, set your mind, set your heart. So read the word, pray, ask questions. And so, doing this, we are thinking above, and thinking above means we're thinking differently. So, we are thinking, you have been raised, so we're thinking differently, and the second point is this, you are hidden, so think differently. You are hidden. Kind of a preface to the second point, and Paul's going to get into it, is like, well, okay, if this is the case, if we're thinking above, just so you know, What you have in this life will not be found here. What we have will not be found in this life. And so he says, think differently. You are hidden. Think differently. Look at verse 3. He says, you have died. Remember he says, you've raised. He says, now you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. You've died. So again, remember you've been raised. Because you've died. So that life you used to live is over. You died. It's over. Say it again. You died. It's a thing of the past. It's not something we go back to. You died. 
Spurgeon says this. Again, it'll be on the screen for you. To a dead man in a tomb, it is, a good, is as good a dwelling as he can want. Dead man in a tomb, he's like, this is his, I got no complaints. But the moment he lives, he cannot endure it. I thought that was so good. You died. If you're in Christ, you died. So life as you knew it died. We don't go back to tombs. It's not, it doesn't make any sense. But many believers around us are going back to tombs. The world lives in tombs. But we died. So they live in, in just the tombs of power, riches, health, relationship, status, grades, promotion, rewards, rest, satisfaction. Looking for that visible reward. So desperately wanting it. But it's earthly. It's temporal. Solomon describes it in, a, in the book of Ecclesiastes as life under the sun. So the thing is, very sunny day today. Solomon's like the illustration is everything under that is temporal. This is life under the sun. And so the thing is, is that we live for above the sun in the sense of looking to the Son of God. And so everything under the sun you will not see. It's not ours. We're not of this world. We're looking at, we're praying this morning, mentioned prayer, and the group that was praying this morning, 1025, looking at John 17 to kind of launch them from that prayer. Jesus says, it's not my, this, this earth, this world is not my home. This is not yours either. Under the sun, it's not, it's not yours in the sense of this, we're not living for this. You want life, you're not going to see it in this life, in that way. This is any more than a dead person would expect it. So then the question is, where is life? Well, look, he says in verse 3, look at the last part of verse 3. Our life is hidden with Christ. That's where it is. It's with Christ. It's unseen. It's not visible. It's not fully realized. It's things to come. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So our life is hidden. Hear that, it's hidden. Do you have life today? It's hidden. It's not fully seen right now. It's also hidden in the sense of protected. It's not hidden by Christ. He says here it's hidden with Christ. I don't know, kids, if you've ever, maybe older people too, if you've ever given or remember you've given something to someone, maybe your parents or someone you think is trustworthy, I still do this. I'm like, you need to look after this. Obviously, I'm going to lose it. So can you look after this? Typically, it's my wife. Care for this for me. Right? And, and so it's, it's maybe with my wife or kids. You've given something to your parents. You're like, look after this for me. And so it's with them, but it's still yours. But it's with them, and there's a, there's a sense that maybe it's not with you at the time, but it's still yours, and it's protected. They've got it. They're looking after it. So when I just ask the question then, <clears throat> If your life is hidden, are you thinking then differently? What's your, what's your expectations? What are your expectations? If your life is hidden, what are you expecting? Are you expecting to see life revealed in this life? Like, when God, and show me God, and where are you God, and answer me God, and answer me in this way now God. And when you forget that your life is, you have life. 
But it's with Christ. You, and you forget that, then you're tempted to, as the Colossian church was, and I'm tempted to seek answers and hope somewhere else. You have to. We need hope. We need answers. We need life. And if you forget that it's hidden, you will go elsewhere. And you'll begin to look for experience. The Colossian church was like, we need an experience. Traditions. A council. I, just, I don't know what to think about this. I can't figure it out. So just give me some counsel that I think somehow is going to lead me to Christ. Give me some answers. But it's not Christ you're really looking for. The second is, so check your expectations. And then secondly, wait and be patient. You're not missing out. You and I are not missing out at all. We're not losing time at all right now. We have life. It's just it's with Christ right now. I'm not saying that we don't experience good in this life at all. We do. By God's grace, we do. But your life is hidden. But it's with Christ. So we think differently. You've, you've been raised, hidden, and then lastly and finally, third point, you will appear. You will appear, so think differently. And closing with verse 4, he says, or we're closing with verse 4. Look at verse 4. He says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Christ will appear. I don't know if you've thought of that day. Christ will appear. And you hear it often. Maybe I think, I think you probably do hear it often, even from, from, uh, from the pulpit. Um, I need to say it more often from all, our pulpit. What do you think of when you think of that? It could come today. When you think about that, what kind of goes through your mind? What difference does that make? Well, I'll say this. When, if someone was to come in this room, depending, like right now, depending on the, uh, who that was, it makes a whole world of difference who that is. Someone comes in this room right now and they're from a former relationship, maybe you'd say, uh, that's my pain. That person is my pain, maybe you would say. A friend from the past comes in. Uh, that's my joy. I never thought I'd ever see you again. That person is my joy, maybe you'd say. Police comes in. Maybe you say, uh, that's my accountability. <laughs> Driving up here, saw a policeman. I, I didn't feel like I was going too fast, but I still slowed down. <laughs> oh, that person, that, that's my accountability. Maybe a thief comes in. You know, someone with a gun, you'd say, oh, that person is my fear. Celebrity, oh, that is my idol. You ever had that before? I've seen, I saw John MacArthur once. I'm like, he's just a man. Then I met him and I'm like, why am I so nervous? I'm having this battle within me. And someone comes in and you're like, what difference does that make? Christ comes. What are we told? He is what? You can see it there in the scriptures. He is your life. That's my life. My life has come. You can say life is here. 
So he's coming and he will not be hidden. He'll be visible. And it will be life for some, but not life for all. It's the most glorious day ever for the church, but not for the world. Revelation 1.7 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. How visible! Every eye, even those who pierced him, and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. He is going to be visible. He will appear visibly. What is hidden will be made known, and this matters why, again, because we don't see life in this life, necessarily. We don't see life in the sense of, like, like fully, things are not easy. Anyone get full rest? Anyone here, like, even, do you have, like, a day or a half day where, like, I feel fully rested? If you do, that's amazing. You're probably talking about it. You're like, remember that time? It doesn't happen. <laughs> Every day, I'm like, man, it will... 10 more hours, maybe 10 more hours of sleep, and I'll be rested. We're just, we don't find rest here. Perfect relationships. Anyone like found the perfect relationship? No. Beautiful gospel relationships, but not perfect, not yet. Enemies gone. Health enduring. Riches unending. Right recognition. Perfect obedience. No. Why? Because it's not fully and finally seen here yet. But it will be one day. And it will be seen. We have it, and I'll say it again. We have life, and it will be visible. And Isaiah 25, I think, says it so beautifully in verses 8 to 9. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away every tear from all faces. And the reproach of his people, and some of you need to hear this this morning, like maybe like no other time. The reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Amen. It's going to be seen. There's going to be no question. The Lord will appear in, in what? And what are we told from God's word? In glory. In glory. And so in his glory, he's going to appear that day. And so it, it's not a weak glory, it's not a false glory. It's not like, us oh, pretty glorious, but I know somebody else. It's like glory. And it's not temporal. It's not like the awards we see or the unbeaten records. Anyone love records? I love records. It's so cool. And then someone beats it. You're like, whoa, that one's unbeaten. No, it's not. Honeymoon periods, new purchase if you like buying clothes. Glory for a moment. And if you're like me, you spill coffee all over it. Within 20 seconds, which is, I don't get new clothes anymore. There's a new rule in our house. You get a moment of glory, and then it's over. This is glory, and it's good, and it's forever. Romans 8, 17. And if children, speaking of those who are in Christ, then heirs. 
heirs with God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer. Do you hear that? We don't have life now. We, we actually have suffering now. As our master, suffering servant, he says, provided. So this is just the character of our life. This ought to be the character of our life. We suffer with him in order that we may also be, listen, glorified with him. He's not just coming in glory and while Look at our God. It's you will be glorified in Him. All these things hidden, the realities that we have fully realized, none of us put to shame. I love telling people who go through uh, really difficult times. And, you know, maybe I say this too much. I don't know. No matter the situation, I say, you go after the Lord right now, and it doesn't matter what situation it is. You list it to me, it doesn't matter. You will not be disappointed. It might not look the way you think. You might lose everything. You will suffer. But you will not go back to that and be like, that was that other option. Anyone, hindsight's twenty twenty. You ever done any investments and you're like, man, I wish I would have only, right? There's none of that. There's, you will not be put to shame. You won't be thinking, man, I wish there was that other road I could have went down. No, no one. We share in glory, not disappointed. So, thinking above means thinking differently. But it doesn't look like we're winning right now. Even a group like today. That's a great group. There's a big group gathered today. How many people in Olds are right now? Do you know what's going on this morning in that building over there? How many people drive by? I won't see. I love your banners. I took a picture. We're going to probably steal that idea. We just steal things. That's what we do. I come here and I just take pictures and then steal it all. But like, is anyone, maybe someone saw the banner, but are people like, kids, pull over. Do you know what's going on there? Those people are winning. Those people are with the Holy One of God. No one's thinking that. And, and, and we often forget it. But we are winning. And so this is why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, right now if you're living this way, when I live this way, what, what a fool I am. He says, if you only have life in this life only, or hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Why? Because our life is hidden. It's not life here. It's not the prosperity gospel. We can like hammer the prosperity gospel. Like, I'm not, you know, Benny Hinn or whatever. It's like, man, you're prone to that. I'm prone to that in so many little ways all the time that aren't as extreme. And when we go there, it's like, what a pity. Like, we don't have life here. What are we doing? We win with Christ. So think differently. Thinking above means thinking differently. So not only is this different thinking, just to close with this thought, this is vital. This is vital. Again, things of the earth, things we see, taste, touch, smell, will draw us away from Christ if we're not thinking above. Our hearts are prone to go this way. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. It's one of my favorite hymns because it's so true. And we'll be prone to pursue indulgence, anything other than hope in Christ, and pursue things that will maybe Help us stop indulging the flesh, maybe. But again, if it's not Christ, zero value for change. 
So we must think of this, raised with Christ, hidden with Christ. Glorified with him, he will return to see real change. We need to think of this to see real change that Christ will rule over us. And I want to just close. We're going to sing with this song, and I'm not going to sing. You don't know if I can sing or not. I think my church knows I can't. So so you don't get distracted. I'm not going to sing this. But I will down there with you. And so I just want to read um, a section from this song, Before the Throne of God Above. This is the one we're going to close with. And there's just a line in here or some lines that I thought was helpful. The whole psalm, I think, is... There's many songs that we could close with, by the way. This is one we chose, but um, I want to read this for you. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within... And then listen, he says, upward, this is thinking above, upward I look and see a sign in the clouds. No, upward I see him there who made an end to all my sin. What do I do with the shame I feel? I look above and I look to Christ. Because the sin, and then he sings it, because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free. For God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me. We're going to sing the whole uh, thing together. And so I'll ask the guys to come up and I'll, I'll close uh, in prayer. Or let me prep us, maybe I'll say in prayer, and then we'll sing together. So let's pray. So, Father, as we sing as a church, um, Father, I pray would you help us by your Spirit to look on things above, even, even as we close this song. And many of us maybe have sang this a thousand times, maybe for some it's new, I don't know. But regardless, Lord, looking to the throne of God above, Father, I pray, help me to do this. Would you I just gain such uh, glory and worship from us as we lift our voices? Would we sing, Lord, uh, together loudly so that we can hear one another and be encouraged by the truths that we are believing as we sing it aloud. And if there's someone here that doesn't believe it, that, Lord, instead of singing it, they would just be silent and pray and think on, on it and think on, uh, even more importantly, the word preached uh, before we sing now and celebrate as a church. So apply your word, I pray. Father, help us as a church. Uh, bless our redemption olds. Just, again, so thankful, so thankful for the body of Christ. So thankful uh, that John's able to preach up in Edmonton. Would you bless Redemption Edmonton up there? Lord, strengthen your church, encourage your church, admonish your church. Do the same here. Would you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with us.